Welcome to the Brand Herald Podcast, where leaders explore how great brands are built. Join Landon Wade, owner of Goodson Clothing and Supply Company, as he interviews business leaders and marketing experts to learn about the successes and failures of building great brands. One last thing, the views and opinions shared by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Enjoy the show. All right, we're live and uh, I want to... First of all, welcome everybody to another episode of the Brand Herald Podcast. I'm Landon Wade, your host, the owner of Goodson Clothing and Supply. And I'm excited to have Christina, uh, Christine Tarquinio. I asked her how to say her last name because I was worried I would mess it up. Then I messed up the first name a little bit. So it's Christine Tarquinio. Uh, she's the Vice President for Talent, Workforce, and Brand Strategies at GLI. We call it GLI here in Louisville, Greater Louisville, Inc., which is the Metro Chamber of Commerce here in Louisville. And um, you can visit their website if you'd like to at greaterlouisville.com, which we will reiterate at the end. But um, before I go any further, I just want to tell you, I appreciate you taking time to be here, Christine. Thanks. Happy to be here and talk with you today. So the reason we do the podcast here, uh, I know we've done a few things together um, with with work that you've needed done for GLI, but, you know, we do the podcast to have conversations with our customers. I mean, primarily we do it with customers. Um, we've had some episodes with people who are not customers, but it always kind of centers around the theme of brand. Um, and, you know, our feeling is that brand is a very vague thing. I think you and I actually talked about that a little bit when we had coffee. Um, so we're trying to kind of help, you know, with this podcast, we're trying to help understand how people think about brand within their organizations. And then that helps us to understand how we can improve our company in terms of our small piece of the pie, our role in uh, helping our customers uh, build theirs. And, but before we kind of, that, that gives like where we want to get to before we get there. Uh, the first thing that I would like to do is just learn about you. Um, so we'll just start with, just tell us, tell us about yourself. Tell us where, where did you grow up? Maybe high school, college, family, um, just help us get to know you a little bit. Sure. Um, well, thanks for having me. I'm pretty much from Louisville. Uh, I've been here since I was a little kid. Um, I've moved away several times, but I've been wearing back as many Louisvillians do. And, um, now I have three kids, so I'm here (laughs) at least for the foreseeable future. I went to Atherton, um, proud Atherton high school graduate in their IB program. And then on to, uh, UofL by way of Marquette university. It was a little cold in Milwaukee, a little too cold for me. (laughs) (laughs) So I came back home and finish up at UofL. Very good. Um, so tell me a little bit about, I mean, what was Mar- Marquette like? I know, as a matter of fact, they just lost in the tournament to, my, to, to Michigan State. I'm an Ohio State fan, so you know, I'm always oh, no, rooting I'm against Michigan anything fan. and everything. Michigan. <laughs> ah, so, yeah, this ought to go well then. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, tell me a little bit about the college experience. You know, go to Marquette, end up at UofL, and uh, yeah, just give us a little bit of that. Marquette was very structured um, and coming out of Atherton, (laughs) probably one of the least structured schools I could have gone to. It was a little bit of a shock of the new. Um, I really enjoyed my time there. Um, The the people were friendly. It was a little dangerous uh, at that time in downtown Milwaukee. Um, And between the, the danger and the cold, I mean, I remember one time the wind chill was minus 40. And they said if you were outside longer than 10 minutes, you would have frostbite. 
And it took me 20 minutes to get to class. And I was like, who lives here? (laughs) I need to go back home. (laughs) My mom was a professor at UofL at the time. So I was able to um, get a free education and graduate from UofL with no debt, which I felt like would probably end up setting me up better in the long run. I was in the same situation. My mom worked at Cedarville University. She wasn't a professor, but she worked there and I was able to get free tuition. And it's Sounds like you might have been a little smarter than I was at that age. I didn't understand how valuable that was at that time. Um, but later in life, you really do, especially when you're running into all your friends that are paying school loans 10 and 15 years after we graduated. Mm-hmm. So tell me about, I know you work downtown and uh, actually you guys are getting ready to move into a new office. There's a lot of changes going on. I know with GLI or I mean, currently and over the last few years, but what are some of the things that, I mean, being from Louisville, um, you've come back. What are some of the things that you like most about the city? I mean, or even working downtown. We only have 30 so. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, my job is really to promote and sell Greater Louisville. Um, one of the things that I do here at the chamber is run Live and Lou, which is our talent attraction retention and workforce development initiative. So I spend almost all day, every day talking to people about how great it is here in this community. That definitely includes downtown. We do. Um, have our offices downtown. So I'm downtown most days. Um, and I could tell you that downtown is back. Um, there's lots of restaurants, lots of things to do. Um, on the weekends, you can't find a, an open space anywhere. And even, you know, Wednesdays, Thursdays during the week. Um, so there's plenty to do here. I mean, <laughs> I don't even have enough time to tell you everything I love about Louisville, but I think at the top of the list is, um, how diverse Louisville has become. Um, we're very, we're a certified welcoming city. So, uh, you know, that allows us to have neighborhoods that are accepting of all types of people. Um, we are a safe place for immigrants. We were one of the original um, cities to pass a fairness law. We passed our fairness law even before New York City did. So I love all the different perspectives that, different people bring. Yep. Well, I probably, I probably forgot for a moment who I was talking to because I, what I did was I asked you something that jumped us ahead. So that's, that's perfectly fine. I'll tell you what, let's do this. I'm going to wrap up the part because the next part is talking about GLI, which we can get into some of what you're talking about. So these are just fun questions, just another way to get to know the person. And I know we had coffee and I should remember this, but I always ask, what is your coffee shop drink? Um, well, in the winter, it's a cafe au lait, just simple coffee with steamed milk. But in the summer, yeah, so I was going to ask what that is. Yeah. Tea in the summer, huh? Mm-hmm. What's well, hot? You, you need something cold. Yeah. No, yeah. What's funny is um, so something that I have started ordering because uh, Brett Cavanaugh, who works for us, he, he put me on to it. I didn't even know what it was, but he said that coffee was really hard on him his stomach. And so he started drinking Americanos and I didn't know what it was, but I tried them and I, I've found that I really like, I love them actually. So Blue Dog very has simple. A fantastic Americano. Okay. I got to try that for sure. Um, all right. You have three hours to yourself. What do you do? Which probably doesn't we happen very often. I have three kids, right? So I never have three hours to myself. <laughs> Let's hypothetically, if you did, what would you do with them? Well, I love to cook. Um, so I'm typically researching recipes or trying out new recipes or just testing something. 
Now to you, I'm curious, like, because a big theme in the, in, in our household lately has been healthy eating and how to do that and still like the things that you get to eat. So are you focused more on just cooking in general, or do you have like a focus on healthy eating or is it just more well-rounded a particular type of cooking? We try to not have anything that comes from a box, right? If it's made mm-hmm. from a plant, it's okay. If it's made in a plant, pass it up. Um, so all of the food that we make at home is whole foods. I mean, they're, you know, we do our best to make everything from scratch when possible. Yeah. What book or podcast would you recommend right now? A book that you're reading or have read or a podcast you're listening to that you think other people would enjoy? Um, a book that I read pretty frequently, I've been back to it several times, is called The Alchemist. I think it's a fantastic, um, thought-provoking book. Can you give me a quick, like, what's it about? Oh. <laughs> or you can't do it quickly? I can't do it quickly. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So people who listen to the episode have to look that up. I typically read nonfiction books. I love nonfiction books. I'll read a book about anybody. Um, and one of my favorite books is, it's a nonfiction book, but it takes historical um analyses of different individuals and strategies throughout the years. It's called the 48 laws of power. I don't know if you've ever read it. It's a really, really fascinating book. I have not. I'm going to though. It's basically a how to guide. If you want to take over the world um, and you have no scruples, (laughs) it's fascinating to read. Certainly not something that you can execute as it's written there. No, it's interesting. I, one of the reasons I like asking that question is because about once a month, I get a couple of books that I need to read because most of the time I haven't read what people bring up. Um, final question on just these questions, just personal questions is, what is your best advice to somebody on how to be successful? I mean, you've obviously worked in a lot of organizations with a lot of different kinds of leaders. What's what's something that you would give as far as that advice goes? Um, I would say don't be afraid to try new things and to fail. Some of the the most exciting things and and the best ideas have come out of misses or near misses um, that I just couldn't predict. And then when you do fail, you know, come with solutions. Try to figure out how to make it better the next time or how to solve that problem in a different way. Yeah, that hits home for me. I know that I'm wired. I always tell people that I'm probably one of the most cautious entrepreneurs you'll meet, um, you know, starting the business in 2015. But I'm almost a uh, like a guaranteed risk kind of taker. And I need to be a little bit more like that sometimes. And, um, and you know, failure is not bad. You can learn from it as long as you take calculated risks for sure. Um, okay, well, I want to transition to talking about uh, GLI. So if you would, and this is a little different, a lot of times I'll ask some questions about the company and I'll be talking to maybe the founder, one of the owners, or I'll be talking to somebody with more of a private company, you know, rather than a chamber. So, you know, I'll start asking questions like, hey, where, where and when was it founded and some of that kind of stuff. Those may not make a lot of sense here, but more or less, now I just want to transition from learning about you to learning about GLI. So if you could just high level, tell us about, and especially like, for example, if somebody's listening to this and they're not familiar with Louisville, one of the things I had to learn by moving here is Louisville is, I mean, it's not, it's a mid-size, mid to large size city. And there are a lot of chambers in and around Louisville 
but you've got GLI that's sort of, that's what I mentioned up front, it's the metro chamber. So yeah, tell us a little bit about GLI. Sure. So uh, GLI, as you said, is the Metro Chamber of Commerce. We support a 15-county bi-state region. So we support five counties in southern Indiana and 10 counties in Kentucky. Um, Chambers are investor-driven organizations. So we have approximately 1,800 investors who pay us to um, help advance business interests in the community. So some of the things that we do, we do economic development. So that is business attraction to the region, business expansion in the region. If you're a business and you're looking to grow or um, move into a new location, um, at another at another location, we can help you facilitate that. If you're a business that's looking to m- relocate to the region, we can also help facilitate that. And one of the unique things about GLI is that we support those 15 counties. We're not just looking at Louisville Metro, Jefferson County, although we are, but we're also looking at the surrounding counties around us. We also do advocacy. So every year we pool all of our investors and we find out what the top legislative priorities are for them. We build out a a legislative agenda and then we actually go and advocate for those priorities at the state and local level. My department does town attraction, retention, workforce development. So that is um, coming up with ways and initiatives that will attract talent to the region, that will retain talent to the region. And then we help to educate our employers about workforce development initiatives that are in the region as well. And then probably what most people think of as the chamber's function, we host events and networking sessions. Um, I think we're up to 60, 70 events a year. And these are just great opportunities to learn some interesting things from any of our departments. Our Workforce Connections event, for example, talks about workforce challenges. Um, You know, we have economic development events. We have advocacy events. Um, we have pure, purely networking events. This is a really good way for businesses to get to know one another. You got the big annual meeting that, that I just went to recently? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, that's our largest event. We have about 1,200 people that attend that event every year. Yeah, it was excellent. And that was actually where Jack Harlow made a, a special quick appearance. So that was, that was pretty cool. He did. He did. We gave him an Edison award for his contribution to the region. And he popped in as a little surprise just for a few minutes. Tell me how, um, how long have you been with GLI and, and maybe give people a sense of how many people GLI employs. And then how did you kind of, how'd you come to work there? Yeah. Um, so I've been at GLI for about five and a half years. We have a staff of about 30 people. Um, GLI is a nonprofit. We're not a government entity. We're 501c6. Um, we're privately funded um, and really just focused on helping to make our community a better place to live, work, and play. I spent, prior to joining GLI, I spent the bulk of my career in marketing, branding, and advertising, working at a number of ad agencies here in town and some out of town. And um, Eileen Pickett, the former interim CEO of GLI several years back, um, called me one day and said, I have the best job for you. You need to go to GLI and look at, at an opening they have. They have this brand called Live in Lou that they're trying to launch. And I think you'd be perfect for it. And I looked at the job description. I thought, wow, the ability to take a baby brand 
doesn't really, <clears throat> excuse me, that doesn't really even exist yet and build it into something that can really positively impact the community and make a difference. It just seemed like a dream job. And so I, I, I badgered the hiring manager <laughs> for quite some time <laughs> until she eventually relented and I got the job. And, and since day one, um, I've, I've really enjoyed, um, all of the work that that I've done. My role has expanded since I joined GLI into taking, you know, running Live and Lou and doing the talent attraction or retention initiatives, but also overseeing workforce development. And then in addition, now I also oversee all marketing and branding for the chamber. I know one thing that you and I talked about when we had coffee was, and I don't know how much of this you want to get into, but you talked about kind of the reason that you exited the agency space and kind of came over. I know it sounds obviously like the position itself was attractive, but I did think that your take on that was interesting. And I'll just leave it at that and just kind of see, you know, what you want to say about that. Cause I just thought that was a really interesting perspective on agency versus what you're doing now. Yeah. <laughs> agency life can be difficult. Um, sometimes you have a lot of creative personalities, a lot of big personalities. Clients can be very demanding. Um, what I liked about working in the agency world is that although you're performing sort of the same function, you have the ability to learn about all different types of industries and get to know all different types of people. So you might work on a, on a education brand or a healthcare brand or a a whiskey brand. So, you know, the variety is really nice, but I found myself really wanting to, um, find a way to utilize the experience and knowledge that I had gathered in a way that would really make a positive impact on my community. Um, I've always been a huge person to volunteer. I love volunteering, but I wanted to do more with my life and my skill set than I had really done before. And so when the opportunity came up to be the the voice and and advocate for this community that I love so much, I just couldn't pass it up. Yeah, no, I think it's, you know, what I hear is really just that you're wired to sort of have an impact as much as, you know, you enjoy the work. And I think obviously you're, you know, talented and have skills in a lot of areas, but you want to make sure that that's having an impact, especially on this community that you call home and have called home. Um, so, so yeah, I think that's an interesting perspective. Um, you really have to, all right, if so, you really love it in a community. I mean, I love living in Louisville. I always have, even when I've left, I've always come back. Um, and, you know, one of the things I told the hiring managers, I was badgering her to give me the job is you will not find someone that loves this community more than me. And seems like a good, uh, a good candidate for live in Lou. <laughs> yeah. All right. So now I just want to, tr- the final thing and the final part of our conversation is really going to be around, and kind of you mentioned it, that your responsibilities have expanded to take on uh, branding within GLI. And again, as I understand it, that really means is you're, you're essentially managing two brands. You've got the, the Greater Louisville Inc. brand, and then you also have the Live and Lou brand, right? So um, what I kind of want to do now is just have you, and, and we talked about this initially, that like branding is a very vague, I think, topic. There's, I feel like if you asked 10 people to define branding, you get 10 different definitions. Um, it ranges from people who I think would say that a logo, colors, and fonts are a brand, you know, to people who would probably t- 
talk about more about, you know, the, the personality of a company for, or, you know, organization for lack of a better way to describe it. So really, I just wanted to kind of start talking about, okay, let's put on just your branding hat within those two brands and let's start working down the funnel. And at some point we will certainly touch on, you know, the, the slice of the pie that represents branded clothing and promotional items and how they are utilized in building it. But really just let's start high level and just start talking about those brands and how you go about building them. Yeah, you're correct. We essentially have not just <laughs> two brands that we're managing over here, but we also oversee some networks as well, the Advanced Manufacturing and Logistics Network, Tech First, and the Health Enterprises Network. So it can get it can get very confusing sometimes. And you're right. Yes, a brand is fonts and logos and colors. It's the tone that you set with the words that you use, it's the intentionality of your message. It's how all that ties into your core vision and mission for your organization. Um, from GLI's perspective, that's a B2B organization, right? We are a business that serves businesses. So our tone, our fonts, our colors, our intention is a little bit more formal. When you look at Live and Lou, that is a B2C brand, right? We're talking to consumers, consumers that we are trying to either retain as customers or we're trying to get new customers, new residents to relocate to the area. So that's a very different brand, a very different tone, intentionality, look, feel, sound um, than something that is as formal as the chamber. So we really try to make sure that those personalities come through um, authentically in their own voices to their intended audiences. So one of the things I'm curious about is how much of that work, especially since you came from the agency space, do you do you still work with outside agencies to carry out some of your you know objectives with the brands that you manage? Yeah, occasionally. Um, obviously, buying any media, you know, we would do that um, through an agency. Occasionally, we have something. When when I first took on the role uh, at Live and Lou as the director of talent attraction and retention, we had a logo that had been developed in house. Um, it had Louisville spelled out really, <laughs> which is a really long word when you're talking about a digital ad space that might yeah. be this big. So we contracted with an agency to give Live and Lou a rebrand. We put out an RFP and and finally made our selection. And we were able to work with an agency to give us a rebrand to help with the tone a little bit. And then we sort of took it from there. Um, sort of same thing with GLI. We had, uh, this was prior to my joining the chamber, but we had another RFP and asked an agency to come in and give our, our logo, our look, our brand, a refresh and, and, and took it from there as well. Now we we maintain most of the updates in house, but if we need a video or if we need you know something specific, um, we'll definitely uh, look to outside help. Leave it to the experts, I guess. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, I think you know again, that's but I'm in the same boat. I mean, we we sort of. I think implementation is always difficult with branding. I mean, I think you can have these higher level conversations, but, you know, one of the things I notice, especially in the space that we're in is, you know, agencies, uh, I think, tend to work at a higher level and they work on projects a lot of times. But then next thing you know, maybe internally, you're like, we want to design a, you know, maybe you're working with us. It's like, we want to design a coaster or a journal, or we want to design something. And it's like one of those tweener projects where it's like, 
we don't really want the agency messing with this because it just gets incredibly expensive. And then, but we also want to make sure that our brand is, you know, also carried through onto these items. And I think that's probably a good example of, you know, even though the clothing and the promotional supplies that are used sometimes are a very small slice of the pie, they are something that needs to be designed with an eye towards continuity of the brand across everything that's being done. And so that's one thing we try to do is get good at understanding brand standards and sort of like, we're sort of occupying that middle ground between like traditional product sellers in our industry and agencies and saying, look, we can take all the, the low, the smaller stuff. That's, that's a big part of what you're doing to build your brand with clothing and, and materials, but make sure that they're designed and concepted with a little more strategic thought so that it creates continuity so that people don't see like the ads and the web that you're doing and maybe the collateral materials and the banners and signage. And then they get the things that we do and it doesn't seem to fit. Yeah, it can be very difficult to have the discipline that's required for consistency. Um, I saw that a lot when I was on the agency side working with clients and and even in our own organization, people like to feel like they have input into the creative process. And so that can sometimes have them going down a path that may or may not be in conflict with what the brand is. Um, And it's just sometimes easier to have an outside person come in and say, well, that's not really adhering to your brand standards than it is for me to say it. (laughs) One of the things I'm curious about is what are some of the tools that you use? I know Canva has become extremely popular. Um, You know, again, your, your, your hardcore designers are all still living life in Adobe suite for the most part, but you know, Canva has definitely been a, something that has come on really strong as sort of a way to, allow people to get involved in graphic design much more simply. I'm just curious, what are some of the tools that, because that's one thing I think people listen to these, it's it's always good to know when we get down a little bit further from that top end of brand development to like, okay, let's talk about some of the implementation. What are some of the tools you use to do it in-house? Yeah, we use Canva, of course, but we predominantly use Canva for social media graphics or something that's digital. Um, for the larger printed pieces, booklets, roll-up banners, tablecloths, stuff like that, we do, we still use um, in design. And Canva, I think, actually has, I hear that a lot, they have some predetermined templates and sizes for all the social media platforms that make that really easy, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's very easy. <laughs> Too easy. Yeah, I think I think our guys or our team uses that as well. Talk to me a little bit about, I know we've done the lapel pins for Live and Lou. I mean, we've done a handful of things here and there. Maybe give just your perspective on clothing and promotional supplies and their role as you go about building those brands that you're responsible for. Yeah. So that's a great question and something that we talk a lot about here, um, particularly for Live and Lou. Obviously, you know, for the chamber, there are some things that that we will always do coffee cups, mouse pads, pins, um, shirts, you know, golf shirts, stuff like that. But on the live and lose side, the consumer focus side, we have so much more flexibility on the types of things that we want to create. And one of the things that we're trying to do um, is, you know, when we're producing the branded materials, whether it's t-shirts or tote bags or fanny packs or hats or whatever, we're effectively creating third-party endorsers for our brand, right? That's one less ad that I have to run because that's one more person out there in the world saying, I support Live and Lou. I I was out at a shop 
um, a couple months ago and I had on a Live and Lou t-shirt and the woman behind the counter goes, I love Live and Lou. Do you work there? <laughs> and I was like, wow, <laughs> as a matter of fact, I do. <laughs> what do you love about it? Um, so, you know, that this is an area that we're going to go further into in 2023. Um, we're looking to build partnerships with some select brands and organizations in our region and utilize some of the promotional items to execute those partnerships. We'd also like to get more involved with the festivals and, and hopefully can start selling uh, more of our live and Lou gear at not just the festivals, but at other third party locations. Right I now it's it, available at live and slash shop. Got it. Yep. The, uh, the, uh, and, and I will definitely reiterate some of that information at the end, but I think what's interesting about, especially like Live and Lou, I would, and, and I want you to correct me if I don't get the terminology right here, but like I would say it's, you know, Live and Lou is very much a sort of awareness based marketing campaign. I mean, it's, you guys aren't directly selling a product or service. You're just doing this general awareness marketing to try to create an understanding of the benefits for consumers, right? To the area and the things that are at, they have, they can do, the types of entertainment, living, all that kind of stuff, right? Like, well, I would say yes and no. Um, we, yes, we first step is to generate awareness. We want to generate awareness about our region, why it's great to live, work, and play here, how people would fit. Um, however, we do also run targeted digital ad campaigns in partnership with employers to try and relocate people to the region. So yeah. if you are looking for a couple hundred people for your organization, we'll build out a full-on ad campaign um, helping you to, to drive traffic to Live and Lou, um, and we'll create a hidden page on our website that is specific to the employer and, and provides the application links, and we'll try to help you actually relocate individuals to the region. Yeah, it's... Um I think about that and I think about your story about the, the person seeing you wearing the T-shirt. And that's where, to me, I was, I was just sitting here in the back of my mind. I'm thinking that's where design is so important because it's like for Live and Lou in particular, when you're giving stuff to consumers uh, or maybe you have a booth at a festival or whatever where you're creating, like you said, that high level awareness and then potentially executing on some of these more direct um, you know, partnerships with companies where you're doing recruitment, it becomes really important to make sure that the things are designed. And I think you and I talked about this when we had coffee, which is like designed a little more from a retail perspective so that someone will wear it on a Saturday and a Sunday or, you know, in the evenings when they go out rather than feeling so corporate because you want it to be something that, you know, feels just like all their other sort of non-work attire. And then it, you have the chance of getting the benefit of them wearing it and that, and it becomes like an ad. Yeah, that's our goal, <laughs> right? We have, yep. we want our stickers on your laptops, our magnets on your cars, our t-shirt on your body. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So, you know, to me, I, I love, and, and frankly, I love the work that you've done. I know in particular with the Live and Lou brand and, and really the GLI brand. I, mean, I think all of, all of the work that you guys do with the brands under the umbrella, so to speak, is, is excellent. We've appreciated the opportunity to participate. One of the things I was going to say here at the end is, we always find that there's really a few areas that people use the things that we do. We, we always say customers, employees, environment or space, which, you know, you kind of mentioned like mouse pads, cups and things like that, that you guys have in the office at GLI. And then, you know, for marketing and, and, and when I say marketing, I'm talking about 
you know, how do you get customers? Essentially, are you going to trade shows? Are you, you know, how exactly are you doing that? And then really what we've noticed lately is what resonates a lot. And you're probably seeing this too, is like, I feel like I'm seeing this movement with how difficult companies ha- are, are finding it to be to find people, uh, to keep them. Um, the HR process is almost becoming as much an internal sales and marketing process as it is mirroring some of the same terminology that's being used externally. And so what we're finding is as we're going out and talking to our customers, we're saying, hey, let's map out all of your process around onboarding and engaging with an employee and onboarding and engaging with a customer. And at what steps in that process would you want to utilize some clothing or a promotional item of some kind to reinforce brand and messaging? And that's when I see you know, the conversation starts when they find out what we do. And there's a little bit of a gloss over because they think trash and trinkets, they think for imprint, they think just tonnage of stuff. Our industry doesn't have a stuff problem. There's plenty of, plenty of stuff. What it struggles with sometimes is not picking a product, but picking the right product and aligning that product with some sort of objective that they have with their customers and employees. And like I said, some of that doesn't directly apply to GLI because you guys, but but it, it does because you have your employees and your, your you call them investors, but your members, et cetera. Yeah, I mean it it does apply to us, and, and we do that. In fact, um, so you helped yep, us you to go. make this coffee cup. This is something that we give to our employees the day that they onboard because they're a part of something bigger and better that's going to make our community greater. Um, so on their first day, they'll have they'll walk into some live and loose swag, some GLI swag. We want them to feel proud to be a part of this group of people positively impacting the community. Um, of course, we do things for some of our investors. We do things for consumers on the live and lose side. But you're exactly right. You're you know everyone's a customer, whether they're a customer because they're your employee, they're a customer because they're your investor, they're a customer because they're considering relocating to the region. They just, and they all need to be treated with the same love. You just do it a little bit differently, right? The messaging is a little bit different for each of those targets. Yeah. And I mean, what you see is that people, people love, I think it was the start with why book Simon Sinek wrote where he talks about people love when things say something about them. So they like when they're involved with a brand, whether it's on in their personal life or in their work life, that they feel says something about them. And that's when you see people put the stickers on the laptops and the water bottles and wear the t-shirts and on and on. So, you know, I think the point of this is, is that when this, you know, the, the, our industry, uh, plenty of items and not done very well, a lot of the times, but when done well can be a critical part of people's strategies and what they're trying to accomplish with their customers and employees. So, Okay. Absolutely. I think that, um, yeah, that wraps us up. Um, I really want to thank you for taking the time to do this. I know from our conversation, I know how busy you are. So, so you've taken some time and doing this for me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about GLI and Live and Lou, two brands that I'm definitely passionate about. Well, and, in, and along those lines, if you could, let's reiterate where people can get more information on the things that you'd want them to know about. Yeah, if you're a business and you're looking to make connections or get involved in advocacy, business attraction, business expansion, any of our networks, you can go to greaterlouisville.com. If you have kids that you're trying to relocate to the region or friends that you want to relocate to the region, um, you can, or if you are looking to uh, get some cool swag or become a city champ, um, you can go to liveandloo.com. 
And I can say, I mean, we've been a member of the chamber since I started my company in 2015, and we're an investor level, I think, uh, member. So we're very much a believer in GLI and all the things that you guys are doing. So um, with that, I just want to thank you again, Christine, and I'll look forward to uh, seeing you in town. Great. Sounds good. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Brand Herald podcast. For more information, please visit thebrandherald.com. Also, please subscribe to our show and follow us on social media to stay up to date on all things branding. Thanks again for listening.